Here we go. On the road. Again. Bow, 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 bow. Here we go. Hell yeah. Again. <laughs> Girl. Girl? Who you fighting? Girl or guy or both or other. Whatever <laughs> you want to be. Whatever you want. Uh. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome to Hysterical History. A comedy podcast. That also has history in it. Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. Go. <laughs> Yahoo! Yahoo! Uh, so I have to tell you a joke real quick yeah. that I told the other day to Kate, and I was like, I'm a comedian. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm so proud of it. Yeah. So Kate works at like uh, a car dealership, mm-hmm. and I was dropping her off uh, back to work after she helped me dye my hair so it's beautiful and you can't see my blonde roots that look gray next to my red hair. <laughs> and... Uh, I was dropping her off, and there was a truck, like, that they were, you know, they're selling. Mm-hmm. It's, like, up front. Uh, but it had a sticker on it that said leather. Because trying to tell you that there's, like, a leather interior. But I was, like, uh, okay, I understand, like, you have kinks, and that's cool. But, like, <laughs> do you have to publicly announce them on your truck? <laughs> I don't want to kink shame. But... <laughs> I'm not kink shaming. But um, I think it's a little much to be, like, leather on leather. my truck. Enter for leather. <laughs> and, like, the second I like saw it, I was just like, bam, and said that. And I was just like, hell yeah. I'm so funny. Uh, that Kate was a real good audience. She that. actually thought it was really oh, funny. Yay. Yeah. And so I was like, great. But, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> you you got an update on your jokes. This is my joke that's entirely unrelated to the podcast, but I had to say something. And that was the comedy part of the podcast. Yep, it's over. Now history time. Woohoo! And today we're going to talk about this boy. I'm going to yeah. show you a book. Last time was uh, Pride, and now Pride is, yep. o- Pride is over. Pride is over. And now <laughs> s- s- straight white men ruin the party again. Uh, sorry, straight white men. Not all of them. Yeah. But this one is particularly nasty. Hashtag not all, not all, <laughs> not all straight white men. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to show you a picture of him on this book. Because <laughs> okay. it's amazing. <laughs> Oh. Spoiler alert. He goes to prison. Oh, no. <laughs> it's pretty oh, sweet, though. No. I'm gonna, I took a picture of it so I can show you guys, too. But I got a... It's, it's a picture of him on the front of this book, and he's locked in prison, and there's, like, chains dangling uh, and ropes, and also, like, a noose hanging above his head. It you looks, can see right here. It looks like... Um, like when people post pictures of their pets on Instagram and it's like dog shaming them. Yeah. They put them in little prisons. <laughs> it's true. It's basically trying to just shame him. The front cover of this book is like, yeah, he, he should feel bad <laughs> about his existence. Look at this terrible child. It's very pretty, though. It, it's like gold leaf. Yeah, it's very fancy and mm-hmm. I like it. I'm mm-hmm. into it. When I got it, I was like, I feel like a fancy girl now. Like that I checked this out of the library because it's like the... The font is all cool. All right. Yeah. What's it called? Um, Trial of Gitto, the Assassin. Oh. So today we're talking about another assassin. The Chocolate Gitto. Here we go. No, that's something else. <laughs> Haley just talked about a French boy. And my boy's not French, but he's got a French name. <laughs> so there we go. <clears throat> Which he teaches you how to pronounce in the book. Oh. You see, Wish I'm mine just going to. done that. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to tell you up top. Um, after he gets arrested, he dictates an autobiography about himself to, um, I think, someone who works for, like, the New York Herald. Mm-hmm. 
that's why I'm like, I love this book specifically because this guy's got some sick burns on this dude because he's just like, this piece of trash (laughs) is so long-winded that I can't even handle it. (laughs) And I'm just like, hell yeah, let's go. I can't wait to hear these burns. It's a great time. I'm going to read some of them out of the book to you, so it might take me a minute to find them. But y'all going to get that good page-turning ASMR from this old book. Oh, yeah. It's going to be good. Oh, yes. So first, his full name, which I just said I read again, and I was like, oh, I forgot, um, is Charles Julius Gateau. Oh, okay. So he was, like, born to be a villain, mm -hmm. basically. It reminds me of um, Booth, about your episode, about, like, his dad's name is all, like, (laughs) Julius Andromedon, whatever the hell, and you're just like... Stop. Sir Aloysius the Fourth. <laughs> Please stop. Oh, no. Um, and he was born September 8th, 1841. Okay. Not the not the best of times. Not the worst of times. This, is, this isn't the one where, what, what were we talking about? Where they were saying like, oh, well, it's because his dad beat him. Yep. No. 100%. That's the one? That's this guy. Oh, God. Yep. Oh, no. I briefly mentioned him to you earlier. Oh, no. Because very early in an article <laughs> I read, they were like, oh, when he was young, his dad used to hit him all the time. And I'm like, welcome to the 1800s where your dad always hits you in the face. And I like, I didn't, I'm, I didn't know who it was. And I'm like, you mean the era where all children are beat? Yeah. No matter their gender or what they're doing. You mean the... Sorry, was he, one of, was he one of the kids turning the big wheels underground? No. Until they died of coal in the lungs? No. Uh, and all of them went on to be murderers? Oh, they didn't? What? Mm. Oh, they died as children because mm. of the coal in the lungs? You know how everyone became a murderer because their parents <laughs> hit them? Oh, they didn't? Just mm. him? Oh. Mm. Weird. Weird. Yeah. No, go on about his dad beat him once. <laughs> Also, do go on. The the real like theme of Gateau's life, I want to say, from having read things, all these things about him, is that people keep helping him, and they shouldn't, because <laughs> he is never a good return on anyone's investment. Mm-hmm. He's just a nasty trash boy, and people keep trying to be nice to him for no reason except for that he's oh, a white no. man. And um, oh. it never works, ever. He's like the story He just of, gets worse and worse. <laughs> he's the Silicon Valley story, just again and mm-hmm. again. Over and over. Stop investing. It's like, why do you keep doing this? Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, so, like I said, he's born in 1841 uh, in Freeport, Illinois. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I have a quote that says, Gateau was routinely beaten by his father as a child and left home at an early age. So he's, like, exceptionally not French. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Their family's French. I thought, like, you know, maybe, like, you know, Dutch or something. Mm-mm. English. He says, uh, I think he says his great-great-grandfather was, like, a French surgeon for a king or something. I mean. Or like, so, physician for so a king. So he's, like, the, I mean, that's what every American says. Like, uh-huh. my great-great-great-great-grandfather was Irish. It's yeah. It's like, yeah, and so was everyone else's. Right. Get over yourself. Shut up. Whatever. Mm-hmm. He goes into, like, I think the book says excruciating detail about, like, <laughs> his family and where they're from and how many gateaus there are in the country, he thinks. And I'm like, I, nobody cares. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he th- really thinks they do. So his mother dies when he's seven. Um, so he's pretty young. And I think that's 
he contributes that to his dad hitting him so much. I think he thinks, like, if his mom was around, he wouldn't have got hit as much, Mm -hmm. which I think is funny mostly just because, like, I don't think that's true. (laughs) Like, probably not. Mm -hmm. It's just what dads do at the time. Yeah. So sorry. Uh, And it's like, obviously, you know, abuse isn't funny. But it's like that's this is a normal thing. You got to be in the right time context, mm-hmm. and it's like that's just what's going to happen to you, right. unfortunately. And it doesn't sound like he's in the upper class. Mm, not really. No. Yeah, if you're like middle class, lower class, you're probably gonna get beat. Yeah. Sorry. Um, you have to have, like, an exceptionally kind parental figure to not get beat. Right, and especially when it's just your dad on his own trying to raise—and he has a brother, too. So it's like trying to raise multiple boys, and it's like, no. Like, Mm -hmm. if you do something wrong, he's going to smack you. Yeah. So, whoops. Um, His father remarries when he's 12 to a woman named Maria Blood. Oh. Oh. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Oh. And at first I read it as Mary Blood, and then I reread it again to make sure I was spelling it right. And then I was like, oh, it's Maria Blood, which somehow makes <laughs> oh. it more dramatic. Because <laughs> oh. I think because Maria, like, re- because of, like, uh, Italian Catholicism, it's yeah. more Catholic to me. So yeah. then I'm like, oh, hmm. Oh. Here we go. You sit up and pay attention. <laughs> I hate Maria Blood. Oh. I hear you. Um, so... Like I said, he leaves home early. We don't know a lot about, like, he doesn't talk about his early life that much because I think he doesn't really care. Slash, he doesn't want to spend a lot of time on his failures, so he skips over them a bit um, Mm -hmm. to get to later failures that he doesn't consider (laughs) failures. Yeah. (laughs) Because his Uh, life is just full of failure. Idiot. So his grandfather left him $1,000 so that he could go to university. That's a lot. Yeah. I and I know how much it is. I'm going to tell you, a thousand dollars in 1860 is twenty eight thousand dollars now. Yeah, I mean, so it's a lot of money. It's not a fortune, but that's like that's a that's a lot of money. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. So he's like, do this and go to college, please. That's a nice gesture. That's it is very kind right. of you. He does not have to. Uh, and I think they were hoping that he would have kind of the same fate as his brother, whose name is uh, John Wilson Gateau. Because he went, I think he was born in Ann Arbor, and he went to school there, I assume. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he became, like, an impressive lawyer. Yeah, good good school, nice town. Yeah, great. And so they were, I think his grandfather probably left money for him, too. Or at least was, like, saw that happening, maybe, before he died. And was like, you could do that, too. Yeah. Uh, I think, like Gateau says... That his grandfather, you know, so all of this is from his perspective. So yeah, take it with a huge yeah. grain of yeah. full of yourself salt. There's a little little bit of bias yeah. uh, here. But uh, he says, like, that his grandfather says, like, he's the smartest one of the whole family. <laughs> okay. And I'm going to strong disagree with that because mm-hmm. of everything I've read about him. <laughs> yeah. uh, doubt uh, it. Uh, yeah. Really doubt it. Especially if his brother is a successful lawyer because he sure ain't. Mm-hmm. So he's going to go to school in Ann Arbor. Except he can't because he fails his entrance exams. Ooh, yikes. Mm. And this is not commentary on going to college. Like, you don't have to go to college. Some people fail their entrance exams. That's a thing. Yeah. But when your grandfather leaves you all this money for you to go to college and you can't even get into the college, it's like, hmm, Mm. yikes. Mm. Not great (laughs) Mm. for him. 
It's not the best. So then he tries to do, like, some studying of the things he wasn't good at, which is mostly Latin and algebra, which I'm like, I'm not good at those either. So that's fair. Yeah, and he tries. Yeah. So points there. Um, And so he's, like, studying and trying to figure out what to do. And he says his father keeps sending him letters harassing him. Oh. Um, saying, while he's saying there. Saying what? Um, telling him that he, like, should quit, I think. He says... And I don't believe him, I want to say. He says that his father introduced him to this religion um, called the, I think, Oneida, Oneida community. And I, I believe that. I believe that his father was into it. Mm-hmm. Um, however, he makes it sound like his father's like, quit school and go join them. Um, and I doubt it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it doesn't seem like a thing he would do. I think more likely... Gateau knew that his dad was into it, and his dad was like, you're a failure in letters, because he is. And so he was like, this will make my dad happy and finally love me if I go to the community and live with them. Oh, no. Is what I'm assuming, because I don't—the other thing doesn't really ring true to me. Oh, no. But that's my personal assumption, because I'm reading a very biased, you know, account of what's happening. Yeah, there's a bit of— Translating that needs to happen. And he blames all of his, like, negative experiences in life uh, on... Oh, do we have the window open? <laughs> we do. <laughs> we should probably close it. Like, we all, close it. all the way open? Yeah, I think so. I think I forgot to close it. Oh, no, it's closed. That's just a loud-ass bird. <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was <laughs> open because a bird got through. <laughs> a bird got into the studio. <laughs> It's in the room with us now. Help us. Help. Send help. But uh, Gateau contributes all of the bad things that will later happen in his life, all of his future failures and terrible things, to this specific incident of going to this community. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. And he blames going there on his dad. Yeah. Not at all his choice. Couldn't possibly be his fault in any way. No. He's never made a personal choice in his life that went badly. (laughs) No. Impossible. He's only made good decisions. Yeah. Every time. So, yeah, like I said, he told him to go, but I don't. He goes to the Oneida community, which I'm assuming you don't know a lot about, because when I read that, I was like, the who what? Mm -mm. Sounds like a bunch of nonsense to me. Um, And it sure is. Uh, this is the time of the, like, um, what is it called? Uh, there's a specific name. Like, the religious revival in America. Mm-hmm. So everyone's, like, got a whole bunch of new thoughts about how religion should do. Great. How Christianity be. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are, like, stupid. <laughs> like, not to insult anyone's religion, but a lot of them are also, like, cults. Uh, I mean, when a religion is new, it's always a cult. Uh, yeah. It's called a new religious movement, Mm -hmm. and a lot of them end up being cults um, because people just want to—a lot of them are just, like, excuses for people's bad behavior and to be like, this is why it's okay that I do what I do. Uh, And Oneida is one of those. Yeah. And— you got to be around for a couple years before your cult can be called a religion, my friend. you got to get some validity, and they don't. (laughs) 
<laughs> they don't. There's a reason you don't know the name of it. It's because they don't exist anymore, <laughs> yeah. I don't think. They don't last. Uh, so they're also called perfectionists. Mm, great. Which is different than you think it is. Um, because I immediately was like, oh, they want you to be perfect? And the answer is no. Oh. Uh, they're also called Bible communists. <laughs> Which is the most confusing two words put together. Sounds like like everything that America might hate. They're like a couple of Bible communists. Yeah. I just it's like an oxymoron. Right. Bible communists? What? That's not those words mean opposite things, friend. You can't be a Bible communist. <laughs> but they think they can. Like not a real Bible Bible communist. No. What? So uh, it's a utopian religious community, which well, should ring a lot of bells well, for yikes. you immediately. Well, well, yikes, my friend. That developed out of a society of inquiry, which oh. also is bad. Oh, no. Um, established by John Humphrey Noyes. Noyes? Mm. N-O-Y-E-S. Noyes? Noyes. And some of his disciples, mm. always good language, uh, in Putney, Vermont, in 1841. So the same year that our boy is born. Vermont. Vermont. Everything good comes out of Vermont. <laughs> Ever, nothing could possibly come out of Vermont that was bad. <clears throat> yeah. Or dangerous or uh, an excuse for <laughs> you want to do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. So whatever. Whatever. Uh, Noyes has experienced uh, religious conversion during the revival and is like... Uh, when he's 20 years old and he's like shopping around for religions, but he's like, none of these are what I believe. So I'm going to do my own. I'm going to make my own. Um, he gives up law studies he's doing at uh, Andover or and goes to Andover uh, Theological Seminary and Yale Divinity School. Oh, my gosh. So like he's getting into some good schools, though. Yale? Oh, my gosh. To be a theologian? So he gets in there, and he starts preaching this doctrine of perfectionism, and everybody else is like, no. And I'm going to tell you what it is in a minute. But it's so much so do they disagree with it that they deny him ordination. Oh, wait, so— There's like, that's entirely wrong. Is that what you get in that school? Like, well, it's like going to seminary, you know? Oh, okay. But, like, not for Catholics. Gotcha. For, like, other people. Gotcha. So they're going to, or- like, ordain you to be allowed to, like, preach your religion. Because there's so many going on. That, and you want to have a degree to be, like, official. Yeah. You know? But they won't give him one because mm-hmm. of his doctrine of perfection. They're like, yours is weird. You don't get one. Which is the idea that conversion, like, once you are baptized, um, you're free of all sin. No matter what you do afterwards. Free forever. Forever? Forever. So it's not just like the old stuff, it's the new stuff too? Yeah. Just like uh, once you're baptized, you can do whatever you want and it doesn't matter. So it's it's really bad, but I'm like, I thought that's what baptism was. No. Because <laughs> I thought, I mean like in theory, because you have the forgiveness. You still have to like work at it. But yeah. Like, not in this. Uh-huh. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to do anything. God forgives everything you do. Because mm. you pledge your life to him, so it's over. I mean, I thought there's still, like, some work. You can't just, like... Not in his... The doctrine of perfectionism means once you come out of that water, you're perfect and perfect forever. Oh. No matter what you do. I mean... You can do anything. In theory, <laughs> in practice, it sounds like you just want to get away with stuff. Mm-hmm. Doesn't it? In practice, it sounds like you just want to, like, be able to, like, 
have a lot of wives or like rape people and mm. kill people and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's like an interesting what it sounds theological like. debate, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Not a real thing that people are willing to believe. A debate, it sounds like a real thing, not really. Yikes. Yeah. Wait, yikes, my dude. It's not it's not good. You know, it's like I did that other episode about um oh I can't remember the name of it. That like town that like rioted and got taken like taken over. Yes, and all the stuff they were preaching at first sounds really good, and mm-hmm. then it goes really bad really fast. Yeah. And it's like that's usually what happens, right? When we do this like free like utopian nonsense, uh huh. It doesn't work. It doesn't function that way. Humans uh, aren't meant to be this way. All utopias are a dystopia waiting to happen. A hundred percent. Yikes. Every time. And so I'm just like, as soon as you hear those words, you're just like, it's going to be bad, friend. Yeah. And this is the community that Gateau is joining. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. And that his father believes in. So possibly <laughs> what he's been taught as a child. No, oh, no. Um, which maybe is why he's upset his dad is hitting him. Because he's like, hey, I'm perfect and I can't do anything wrong. God's like, not mad at me. Why are you? I'm perfect and God's not mad at me. God's not mad that I hit you. (laughs) See, it's already a bad system. (laughs) So get over it. It's already a bad system. (laughs) It already doesn't work. You see, God wouldn't be mad if you killed your dad. And they won't ordain him because obviously. Yeah. So he also is convinced that the second coming of Christ is not an event of the future, but that it already happened. Oh, no. And I'm like, when? (laughs) (laughs) That's bad news for you. Please point me to a date, my dude. Isn't that bad news? Because that means that if it already happened, then everyone who's left is like the bad people. It, I mean, it depends on what you believe generally, because I know there are some religions that believe in, like, a rapture situation, but it doesn't say that anywhere in the Bible. Okay. It just says, like, all the bad people are going to be wiped out by the four horsemen situations, oh. and then, like, the earth's going to be a good time. So I think he's saying that we're already past all that. The bad people are already gone, oh. so now it's fine. We're in utopia right now. Everything's perfect. That's already the It's good. like heaven here. This is the good place. Yeah. Oh. And I'm like, this? this? Like like America in the 1840s is the perfect utopia? This is the good this place? This is heaven? This is it? <laughs> this because, is... Dude, it's like... um. This is as good as it gets. What is it like? It's almost heaven, West Virginia. It's like (laughs) heaven's only slightly better than West Virginia. It's like maybe I don't want to go. Maybe hell's better. No offense, West Virginia, but like. I'll take the chance. (laughs) But like, that's not cool. So. Yeah, when is the Civil War? (laughs) (laughs) Just checking. It's, it's It's after. It's a couple years. It's after that. So. Civil War is a uh, post heaven, <laughs> yeah, post the second coming of Christ. Okay, well, put that in perspective. I mean, at the very least, I'm proud Who's of him. President right now. I'll get to it. Okay. Um, I'm because we're gonna talk about him. I don't know who's president right then. Mm-hmm. I'm proud of him that he's not saying he's the second coming of Christ. It's he's because that's a really common thing at the time. Yeah, it takes real uh, self control to say you're not the second coming of Christ, don't it? During the revival when you're already doing this utop- <laughs> utopian bull balls. I mean, why not go the extra mile? You know? I mean, like, apparently he has one ounce of humility and it's that. Mm-hmm. That's it. Or he really believes this, which like, is possible, I guess. You know what? That'd be silly. I know I'm not <laughs> the Christ. Obviously, I'm not. I know I'm not the Christ child. <laughs> Duh. Christ has already been here, and I'm not him, friend. Uh, but his ideas 
are concerning sexuality are what make him the most notorious. How is that the weird Sexual part? Sexual thing. How is that the weird part? Because that's what people are worried about at the time. People need to get their whole their whole lives checked. So his view is a practice of what he calls complex marriage. No. Which is where every woman is the wife of every man and every man is the husband of every woman. Well, at least it's reversible. I do appreciate that. Right now. Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't usually stay that way. That's true. So uh, it's, I mean, I guess it's a nice idea if the people are consenting and into it. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't usually work. Yeah. For some reason. But it usually doesn't even, it doesn't even start that way. It's just like, the men get all the women, and women are property. Yeah. Uh, he also believes that socialism is not possible without religion. And I'm going to say, we're doing it, my dude. I know you can't see into the future, <laughs> such but a... right now, the government's delivering my mail, and that's socialism. It's such a weird line to draw. Also, no socialism without religion. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's. I don't think it's like that he's saying he doesn't want that. He actually thinks that's not possible. Right. He thinks you need the religious component to, like, make people united and make things work. And, like, to his credit, religion does unite people um, in a lot of ways. So, like, I get the idea. And especially at the time because everyone in America at that time is so religious all of a sudden. Because yeah. all the people who aren't Catholic or who weren't, like, Lutheran or anything all of a sudden are excited about it. <laughs> and they're joining anything they can find that, like, they think is close to what they're thinking right. and what they feel. So I'm like, I get it. It does seem at the moment like religion is really uniting everyone, mm-hmm. um, but weirdly into like small sects of religions that all disagree with each other on some tiny thing. Yeah, it's like— <laughs> Or uh, a big thing like, like this. <laughs> how everyone suddenly got on like a health kick. Yep. Suddenly, mm-hmm. and everyone— It's all about yoga and kale. All about kale. Avocado but, toast. Or like different weird extreme diet trends, but they're yeah. all slightly different from each other. Mm-hmm. And— a lot of them aren't, like, actually good for you. They're, yeah. They're too extreme. Yep. And in a couple of years, everyone will be like, oh, it actually, like, wasn't good for oh, your body. Oh, that's actually not effective. that. Uh, but everyone has one. It's mm-hmm. like, no male without diets. Right. What? What was that last part? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> what? I'm confused how this works. We're on a tangent. Tell me about this man. So the new recruits arrive mm-hmm. to his – they've heard about what he's doing and they're into it, which, like, I understand why people are interested, okay? Mm-hmm. You know, especially if they have some of those views already. Sure. Um, why they would be like, yeah, society's not really accepting me. This sounds accepting. Uh-huh. And so they turn it into a socialized community. They just make a t- town for yeah. them to live in to do their thing. Where are they settling? In Illinois or? In Oneida, New York. Oh, okay. That's why it's called Oneida because it's named after the city. Hmm. Um, And I put into a socialized community or a cult. (laughs) (laughs) It's so hard to tell. Let's see. Uh, In 1847, uh, that's when, like I said, we have our revival going on. And he claims, Noyes, that the spirit of Christ had returned already and has now entered into his group. Mm. So now Jesus is a ghost, I think, and, like, among them. I don't know if he's, like, in someone or if he's just, like, around. He's probably inside Noyes. He's just lurking above (laughs) and watching them. Behind bushes. (laughs) Behind trees. Mm, Jesus is always watching. Oh, did you see him? There he is. Oh, there he is. And they're like, no. You just missed him. Oh, he's gone. (laughs) There, you just missed him. Oh, bye. 
Um, but he, I don't know. As far as I know, he doesn't say the spirit of Christ is in him because that would be the same thing as saying he's a second coming. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he says that. But he does say, like, he's with us, which I'm like, of course, because every religion has to be legitimized by being like, we are right. And, like, that's the way to do it if Jesus' spirit is lurking around you, watching. <laughs> lurking. I mean, unless he's watching you because you're doing it wrong and he's trying to warn you. Hard to say. That's so creepy. Um. So, yeah, they've got their complex marriage going on. It's a fun time. And I have a quote that says, despite the free love aspects of this sect, uh, he was generally rejected, meaning Gateau, while he's there. He joins them. They don't like him, mm-hmm. despite the fact that they love everyone. Yeah. <laughs> they don't like him. Yeah. Which is surprising. Yeah, see, that's the problem when, like, one person isn't, then they then they get entitled, mm-hmm. don't they? They're like, yeah. but I want people. Mm-hmm. Then what? Yeah. What do you do? He's there for five years, and no one likes him. Oh. And his nickname is Charles Get Out. Oh, no. That's, They're bullying him. That's, like, so, like, snappy, though. Yeah. <laughs> that's such a good nickname. Charles Get Out. <laughs> oh, no. They are, that's, like, actual bullying, but they uh, they nailed him pretty good. But he deserves that. it. <laughs> but they got him, though. Um, he even says that the women didn't like him, and they would tease him. I mean, they're probably right. Yeah. A whole town of women's uh, instincts can't be that wrong. And, like, these women are, like, you would hope empowered at least because now they kind of get control over themselves, you know, and can be, like, married to every man. And they don't want to be married to him. He's gross and I don't like him. Right. They get to choose and they're like, not that one. Yeah. But he stays for a long time, he says, even though he doesn't feel welcome there because he likes their library and he's reading a lot of stuff there. Hmm. Because apparently they've got a good library for, like, theologian books. Cool. So good for you. Um, And he also gets mad and he says, while I was there, I had to perform physical labor and do all this stuff for them. And I'm like, yep, it is a socialized community. Everyone must do this. Mm -hmm. You're not special. He's like, I have to work. Ew. Everyone does, idiot. He leaves the community twice. Okay. Which obviously means he returns. Oh, that's so sad. Uh, The first time he goes to Hoboken, New York. Or not New York, New Jersey. So sad. Say it again. It got worse. The first time he goes to Hoboken, New Jersey. Yikes. And uh, he attempts to start a newspaper about the Oneida religion. Because he's still into the ideas. He's just like, the people are mean Mm -hmm. to me. (laughs) They were mean to me. Um, and he's going to call it the Daily Theocrat. Oh. Ew. Oh. Um, so that doesn't work. <laughs> Nobody cares. This man has given me a migraine. And so he returns to the colony, only to leave again. And he claims that he didn't get kicked out. No. But no. Um, apparently that's a rumor because <laughs> he makes the point to say he didn't get kicked out. Mm-hmm. And why would he say that if <laughs> someone wasn't claiming that he got kicked out? He's like, he's just so... His self-esteem is so low. He's, like, yelling it as he walks away. I'm not getting kicked out. I, didn't get, I, I quit. I'm not fired. I quit. I'm leaving of my own free will. You didn't do this to me. Okay, I'm going to find a, a quote now. <laughs> yes, please. Um, I've been waiting. I'm hungry for it. This is in the section that's about his marriage. Um, I didn't read a lot about it, so unfortunately I'm not going to be able to talk about it much because this book's pretty long, and um, I'm not trying to write a dissertation on this loser. But... Uh, I do like his wife. Just from the few pages I read, I was like, she seems cool. Yeah. Too bad she married you. They do get divorced, so clearly she figured it out. Nice. (laughs) I'm just going to read. It's slightly long, but I think you'll appreciate it anyway. 
In following her narrative and the testimony introduced at the trial concerning the nefarious life of this theological vagabond and modern vampire, (laughs) one is forcibly reminded of a character of that most illustrious imp of depravity, Tittlebat, Titmouse, MP. (laughs) Of course one is. My favorite character of anything I've ever read. (laughs) Say it again. Tittlebat, Titmouse, MP. Tittlebat. Titmouse has justly been considered one of the most repulsive and nauseating characters in fiction. But the reality which the sanctimonious Gateau presents is infinitely more despicable and loathsome than the contemptible effigy created by the brilliant imagination of Warren. His defense of inspiration is undoubtedly an artifice, and his pretentious... Uh, his pretensions to patriotism and claim to be ranked with Brutus and Charlotte Corday equally absurd in the light of his selfish career. Oh, oh girl, who you fighting? <laughs> um, <laughs> in such an event could in any manner advance his personal interest, he would be perfectly content to see the Republic obliterated from oh, existence. Oh, girl! Oh, girl! Wow! Oh, he did. They hate him. This is the person writing his autobiography for him. <laughs> Obliterated. He, he's dictating to them, like, his whole life. Yeah. And this is their, like, precursor to the section about his marriage. Yeah. Uh, yikes. They're like, look at this giant trash garbage man. Isn't he the worst thing you've ever seen? In your whole life? I've never heard of Tittlebat, but I need, <laughs> Titmouse. To, I've, uh, I need to know everything. Yeah, I have no idea, but I'm sure he's terrible, and then this guy is worse, <laughs> according to this author. So anyway, yeah, this is where he, that's, that's the book where he's like, I didn't get kicked out. I left because I wanted to. And so <laughs> everyone, everyone sees right through him. Yeah, and in the in-between time of... Uh, being at the Oneida community, he stays at the YMCA because he doesn't have money. Mm-hmm. So they just let you stay there. Yeah. If you're a member, yeah, Christian. There's, there's a whole song about it. are supposed to be nice. And uh, it's there that he uh, meets his wife. Oh. <laughs> Which I was like, at the YMCA, the Young Men's Christian Association. You found your wife at um, the... But because she is working there as a librarian. There's oh. a lot of libraries in this story. So she's a librarian. A librarian, honey, don't. And that's where he meets her. Not this one. But before that happens, he files lawsuits against John Humphrey Noyes. Oh, my God. I don't know why. (laughs) Just because. Because he kicked him out, I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, Gateau's father writes letters in support of Noyes. Oh, oh, no. Oh, my God. And Noyes is quoted as saying that he uh, maintained that he did not have any ill will towards Gateau as, I consider him insane. Oh, my gosh. He's just crazy. Yeah. He's, you know, don't be hard on the lad. And his dad's writing letters to him to apologize for just how (laughs) garbagey his son is. Um, I mean, they might be right. They are right. Yeah. Honestly, it sounds like he needs medication. 
So Gateau then obtains a law license in Chicago. I have a quote that says, based on an extremely casual bar exam. Oh. And I'm going to tell you exactly how casual. Because like I said earlier, people just keep offering him things for seemingly no reason. Yeah. I, he must have something likable about him, I guess. Because people aren't immediately repulsed by him always. Right. It's weird because like, people mm-hmm. just immediately dislike him. Yes. And then other people seem to be very casually very open to him. Mm -hmm. I think it's that some people feel bad for him Mm. and some people just think it's his own fault. The pity outweighs the everything else. And I think that for all the people who are like, yeah, he's crazy and terrible, it's just like they don't have pity for him because they understand that he's doing it to himself Mm -hmm. and he just kind of sucks. Yeah. And uh, other people are like, oh, but I feel bad for the guy. You know, he's down on his luck. And it's like, especially because he's surrounded by so many people who are Christian and are like, no, I should help people. And so they have like an inclination to be nice to people who are having a hard time, which is unfortunate because he doesn't deserve it. And it would be so much more deserving. All I could think while I was researching this was like, I wish that someone was being offered these opportunities who could use them effectively, who like deserves them because he doesn't. (laughs) Um, Like so many times you hear some story about like a genuinely good person who just needs like one mm-hmm. one bit of assistance yeah. and the whole world's like get back in the gutter yeah you I mean, even even people who succeed, you know, that happens to them. Like like Tesla, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, could someone just help the man? Yeah. Like just for a minute. Please. Please. And the answer is no. They (laughs) won't do it. People like this guy, you get every piece of assistance and let's find out what he'd do with it. Yeah. He says that Mr. Reed, who was a district attorney in Chicago at the time, asked him a few simple questions about the law and he obtained a certificate. Oh, my gosh. They're like, he's like, is murder a crime? (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes. Correct. (laughs) Enough. Um, Sometimes it's self-defense. What about burglary? Yes. Good. Mm. What about hitting your wife? No. Perfect. You're a lawyer. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I'm so smart and capable. I'm so good at being a lawyer. And I think this means only that he can practice in Chicago. Yeah, probably. I'm going to say. Within reach of the attorney. It's a certificate, (laughs) which makes it sound like it's not real. It's like a printout with a gold star (laughs) on it. Yeah, here you go. Um, But so he's like, great, now I have a career ahead of me. So I'm going to work at a law firm and be a fancy boy. I guess. So instead of working at a law firm, he starts one. Which oh, is honey, no. A mistake. With what? He does have some money mm. uh, that he saved up, I think, possibly by living at Oneida and the YMCA. And so he decides he's going to become a lawyer uh, based on, I have a quote that says, ludicrous and fraudulent recommendations <laughs> yeah. that he gives to every prominent American family he could think of. Yeah, pretty much. Great. Yeah. Good, good business plan. Uh, and like I said, he got married to Anne J. Dunmire at this time that he met at oh, the library. They get divorced four years later <laughs> uh, because he's gross. And you're better than this. She, and she knows it. You got to get out. <laughs> it's bad. I have a quote from her, too. I want to read a little bit of the book from her. Here's a picture of him and a picture of her. Oh, he looks like a werewolf. He he looks terrible. He's got a chin strap that, you know, 
you could only dream of. And she looks beautiful. She's very cute. Yeah. She look. I, I love this picture because she's very sweet looking, but she also looks very tired. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, tired of you. <laughs> she's over it. Gross. And her like talking about him, I think because it's like after the fact that she's basically just like, I mean, he seems like kind of weird, but whatever. Uh, I have a quote from her that says, he pretended to feel a great deal of interest in religious matters and repeatedly referred to his having been a member of Mr. Beecher's church in Brooklyn. Uh, so she doesn't even believe him that he's very religious. <laughs> she says he's pretending. Uh, he said he was, but... Yeah. I mean, but he's got this doctrine of perfection going on that's yeah. not very religious, generally. Uh, religion's supposed to help you improve, but not make you perfect and invincible. <laughs> yeah, what a good point. So... She said, my first impression of him was that he was rather peculiar in his manners Mm -hmm. and dress, but nothing very remarkable. Of course, one sometimes notices little peculiarities in a person (laughs) that another would not observe. Yeah. And then she goes on to talk about what he does as a lawyer. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you about that real quick in her words. yes. During that period, he practiced law, but the principal part of the law business that he attended was to collect or was collecting old notes and debts. Okay. He seemed to have more business of that nature than any other. He had a great deal of difficulty with almost every party with whom he had any business transactions. Okay. In regard to making proper returns respecting such bills he had collected. When he had a bill of collection, he would work with a great deal of energy for a time and succeed in obtaining a part of it. And then he would state that the creditor that he had a great deal of trouble in collecting from... Uh, that the first installment on their claim, he was going to keep the amount so collected as payment for his services, promising to pay them their share if he should succeed in obtaining the remainder. What? So he's like just fraudulently stealing stuff? He's pocketing the first payment he can get for himself, saying that's for his services. And if he could possibly get more, he'll give it to them. But if not, there you go. I don't think that's how it Mm -mm. doesn't sound. No. Also... You know how people love debt collectors? Yeah, like the most out of anyone. In the entire history of time. Yeah. He's a debt collector. That's the kind of law he And does. he's not even collecting the whole thing and giving it to the person who asked him to collect the debt. No, he just steals it and holds it for ransom. Mm-hmm. And he gets into lawsuits about it at court. Yeah, that, I don't blame her for being like, I'm out. Uh-uh. That is the way the manor was left. He never paid over any more, thereby naturally causing these men to feel very hard towards him. They often threatened him with exposure and pursued him and gave him trouble. He probably thought I knew very little about these matters, <laughs> but I learned the state of affairs from people who would call to see him where we were boarding and in indirect ways at different times. She's, she's a librarian. She knows stuff. She's smart. He would often tell me, in fact, of different sums— of money that he had succeeded in collecting, and he seemed to take unbounded delight in talking about how he would arrange to keep these amounts, and evidently looked upon it as quite a piece of smartness to be able to do so without getting into any difficulty about it. He's bragging about it. I repeatedly told him that he knew that way of doing business was dishonest and not the right conduct, and then he would suddenly cause a great deal of trouble. His reply invariably was that the world owed him a living and that he intended to get it one way or another. I deserve it. I'm entitled. Yeah. Me. The man who has been constantly helped in everything he does is entitled to payment for no work. I need it. Me. Me. 
Yeah. yeah. So that's just, I wanted to read those just so you could understand, like, his mindset. And from someone who's there and less biased than from his own brain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because obviously she's not entirely biased. She's his ex-wife. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, obviously she's probably like, yeah, he crazy and terrible. But, um, like, the way that she's talking about it doesn't sound like she's really trying to insult him or be rude. Mm-hmm. She's like, this is just how he was. And I would tell him it was wrong and he didn't care. And I'm like, yeah, because he's got something wrong up here in yeah, the brain something, area. Something's happening. It's, it's not something good. bad. He got hit in the head as a child and here <laughs> we go. Um, so, yeah, I have a quote that says, he was not successful being a lawyer. No. He only argued one case in court, the bulk of his business in bill collecting, where his annoying persistence was a useful characteristic. <laughs> Everyone yeah. loves trashing him, and I love it. <laughs> Everyone. Everyone. That was from Wikipedia. Oh, no. <laughs> like, oh. it is not unbiased. The online dictionary is even sassing him. I'm pretty sure that was from Wikipedia. Uh, most of his cases, however, resulted in enraged clients and judicial criticism. Yikes. So it's not working. He mentions in the book, too, that he gets this claim that this company considers worthless. Mm -hmm. uh, I say with quotation fingers and Uh quotation voice. And um, so he was like, I'll keep it for my payment. They don't even care about it. You can't just decide these things. What are you doing? And he says that the claim is for $350, which I checked in the inflation calculator, and that's $7,500. And I don't care how big this company is that he's working for, which I doubt they are because why would they hire him? Right. Um, But $7,500 is not nothing to anybody. What are you talking about? He's just trying to frame it in a way of like, why Why should I feel bad about it? Right. I deserve that. They're they making, didn't even care about they're it. They're making a big deal out of nothing. Yeah. I deserve it, and they're just whining. And unfortunately, he did this to a newspaper that he was collecting for. Um, so they wrote a story about how bad he oh, sucks. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Which isn't great when you're a lawyer practicing by yourself. Yeah. Not even at a company. No, that's your uh, that's your Yelp review. And then he tries to sue them for libel, and he loses. <laughs> yeah. It's the truth, boyo. Yeah. And then he blames them on why he can't keep practicing law, because he says that no lawyer could possibly recover from that, like, no matter how good they were. Um, I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't agree at all. <laughs> if you were an actual good lawyer, you could probably recover from it. Or you could yeah. move. Uh, But you can't move because you only are allowed to practice law in Chicago. And then you screwed over a newspaper in Chicago. A lawyer of your caliber cannot recover from that. Of course not. You aren't (laughs) a lawyer. It's fake. No one calls him Esquire. He's not a lawyer. You've never been a gentleman in your entire life. There's a reason he's probably doing debt collecting, and it's probably because they won't allow him to do anything else. Right. Because this doesn't require you to be an actual lawyer. Um, so then he's, they, no one actually wants to put him in front of a judge. Yeah. That would be a mistake. And it seems like he doesn't actually ever want to be a lawyer. Like, he thinks that he's smart enough to make good arguments mm-hmm. and, like, do the work, but he's not. He's slimy. He's slimy. And he, what he really seems to want to do, which he tried to do earlier, is to have a newspaper. Because he just wants a platform where he can spew his stupid thoughts <laughs> yeah. everywhere. He wants attention. So before he tried to do the Daily Theocrat, now he's like, I'm going to buy a newspaper that already exists. You're going to buy one? hmm Apparently with all the debt money he collected. 
and uh, he tries to buy one called Interocean. You know that famous American paper, Interocean? <laughs> that that <famous>. definitely <laughs> still exists. Yeah. Interocean? Interocean. What? Like, mm. what does that even mean? Um, like, between oceans? I guess. <laughs> but uh, he couldn't get the money to buy it. So, oh, surprise. Doesn't work. He couldn't steal enough money to buy a newspaper. So then he tries to be a lawyer in Chicago again mm-hmm. because that didn't work and he still needs money. But that obviously doesn't work at all because no one likes him and they wouldn't retract that story. So it's too bad. <laughs> oh my gosh. And then so, his wife divorces him. Yeah, and he gets divorced and it's a bad time. So uh, he turns to theology. Of, Next. Co- of course. So he publishes a book. Called the subject, or sorry, the subject is the truth, is what he calls it. He calls it, I believe, the truth, a companion to the Bible. Oh. Wow. Oh. Oh. Wow. Look at you. Wow. If you, listeners, if you ever thought to yourself, I could never publish a book, (laughs) look at this man. Right. And And it's think again. And I want to say, it's not like he's the only person who does that, right? Like, like, (laughs) like, um, you know, I'm Mormon, and it, like, the Book of Mormon says that it's a companion to the Bible. Mm -hmm. So it's like, people are doing that. That's a thing that happens. It's a it's a really good subgenre. Uh-huh. If you want to make a a lot of copies, real <laughs> but, good. But some of those survive and people read them, and some of those <laughs> yeah. are this. Yeah, the truth. <laughs> I'm like, I don't think you've ever told the truth in your life once. No. And in fact, apparently, most of the uh, words and ideas in the truth are directly plagiarized from Noyes. Oh my God. From Oneida. Yeah, that sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, like, whatever. What? Um, dude. So he holds this uh, speaking event where he <laughs> he's going to, I think, read the book or, like, read part of it oh, or gonna, a speech he wrote. He's going to have, like, an author public speaking. Yeah. Have a, a reading. Like yeah, a, a reading. Going to go to a Barnes & Noble and have a little yeah. reading. Some right. Some copies. And he puts a sign out front that says that he's charging 25 cents a person. Okay. But then it also says if you can't pay 25 cents, just come in. <laughs> no one, literally no one is going to pay. So I'm like, what? Exactly. Why would you pay? It's Chicago and no one is going to pay. <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? You're stupid. I, I think he knows that no one will come in if it says that it costs 25 cents. Uh-huh. So he's like, just kidding. It's free. Uh, 25 people show up. Uh, and the Chicago Tribune apparently is there because they make fun of him in a review about it. Ah, uh, yes. Do you have excerpts? I don't, unfortunately. Oh, no. I wish I did. But no, they just write a scathing article about how stupid he is. That's fair. And I don't believe this is the newspaper from earlier. I believe this is a different Chicago newspaper who's come there <laughs> to be like, this idiot. I'm sure they've read the other one, though. Yeah. Um, and then he whines to the editors of that paper back and forth to different editors Whiner. until they apparently publish what was a small retraction. Like, we're sorry we hurt his stupid feelings. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And now that that's not really working, people aren't that interested in his book. And these people have written this big article about him that's now scathing to his career as yeah. a theologian. So we can't even do that. Everyone, Why is everyone ruining my career? Why is everybody doing this to me? He decides to join a career where you don't need a good reputation and decides he's going to become a politician. Yeah. <laughs> the only way to go is politician. <laughs> you gotta. 
but he doesn't want to be like a governor or a senator or a mayor or something. He's going to be president. Um, he does think he'd make a good president. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But that's not what he's currently seeking. What he wants is a councilship or like to be an ambassador, basically, to um, first Vienna, to Austria. And then he changes his mind and says, just kidding, Paris is what I want. I mean, fair. Whatevs. So he writes this speech uh, in support of Ulysses S. Grant, who is running for president. Okay. But then he doesn't get the nomination. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he revises it. That's. I mean, it's shocking that he wouldn't get the nom. But <laughs> So he revises it to be Garfield versus Hancock instead of Grant versus Hancock. Okay. However, he doesn't change a lot of the specific details in it. So all of the achievements are referring to Grant's achievements and not Garfield's. <laughs> Oh, newbie mistake. Um, he didn't control F. No. <laughs> no, he did control F, but he didn't, like, change any of the facts in there. Yeah. He just changed the name. That's it. And I'm like, that's not, it doesn't work. He did, like, research about Grant. And then he's like, I don't have time to do research about Garfield. It's like when you write a so. cover letter, but you just, like, change the file name. Uh-huh. And they're like, this isn't for my job. Like, you're, like, applying to be a secretary, and you're like, I'm great with kids and pets. And they're like, what are you talking? This is, I mean, that's great, but, like, this <laughs> this is for Google. I don't know. What to tell you. you wanted to be an engineer? I don't, like, I don't understand. are you good? I need you to be, like, code and stuff. <laughs> I need you to be good at what we need. <laughs> but I'm, like, really good. Like, lizards? I love lizards. Um, he also gives this to Garfield in person. What? Yeah. This is the time when you can just <laughs> like walk up to stumble people. up to the president elect <laughs> and be like, "Hey, here's a thing for you to read." What year is this now? Um, it's the 1880s. Okay, so after the war. After the war. Yeah. Okay. We've moved on, right? Because the first assassination in American history mm-hmm. of of you know, president, I think it's the first assassination in general, is Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. Right. We we already talked about that's so an this is ominous way to say first assassination, afterwards. huh? Yeah. Mm. This is afterwards. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason he's in jail. <laughs> I mean, I thought, like, eventually enough people would just get annoyed at him and they'd be like, you know what? Just sit here. Yeah. Just sit here alone in the dark and don't touch anything. Oh, I wish. <laughs> I mean, eventually they will say that, but it'll be yeah. after he does something much worse. Yeah. So um, he's del- he delivers that speech um, a maximum, it says, of two times mm-hmm. of Grant I mean, sorry, Garfield, um, versus Hancock, Mm -hmm. about why Garfield should win the presidential election because he's currently the Republican candidate. Yeah. And um, he's trying to get in with some Republican politicians, and so he, like, talks about it to them. He's like, oh, have you heard my speech? And he, like, gives them (laughs) copies, and he gives it to them just all of a sudden out of nowhere. Um, And, like, unfortunately, um, some of them are being polite and so they're, like, encouraging him. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. he is one of their constituents, probably. And so they're like, hey, buddy, good ideas. Yeah, Garfield's the man. Uh-huh. Great job. Yeah, just trying just like, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Trying to back out of this conversation, probably. Yeah. He has no understanding of people being polite. He takes every, like, everything that happens, he takes in his own favor. Mm-hmm. No matter what it is. Yeah. Even when it is impressively clear to someone with, like, 
just a, an ounce of understanding of social interactions, that these people are just being polite and they don't actually like him and they don't actually want him around. Yeah. Everything he takes is encouragement unless it is like directly a scathing article or a lawsuit. Mm-hmm. And then those people are being mean. Yeah. Or if, it, or if he gets kicked out. He will only take direct, forceful rejection as an actual rejection. Yeah. Because he's an entitled, stupid man. <laughs> so, yeah, he's, like I said, he wanted to go to Vienna, and then he decides Paris, I think, because he thinks it's more likely he's going to get the Paris consulship because the guy who's doing it right now is old, I think. Oh, So he thinks he's going to die, or they'll kick him out, and then mm-hmm. he can do it. Whereas the other guy, I think he knows that the guy who's doing Vienna right now, <clears throat> that they really like him. I'm amazed he even put that much thought into it. Oh, yeah. He's spending time and effort on it. That's one thing. I mean, he does... He is putting work into things that he's doing, at least sometimes. Yeah. Um, and, like, does care about things and, like, likes to study. So it's, like, it's a great thing for him to look into and, like, think about and study. Right. But um, he's never willing to do it to an effectual way. Yeah. You know? Like, he just gets tired and he's like, no, I should just have it. And it's like, no. No. You got to actually earn it. So he personally requests to the president and cabinet members, as one of many job seekers who lines up every day in front of the White House, mm-hmm. um, and they are continually rejected. Although I should say, I think the re- word rejected is too strong. They are ignored. Yeah. Which is the problem yeah. with Guiteau. If he was rejected, <clears throat> maybe... He'd go away, Mm -hmm. but he hasn't been, and so he thinks that means they're thinking about him and considering it. Yeah, right. That's a problem. So there's a guy named Blaine who I think is, like, the secretary of state or something. He's, like, pretty high up, at least on the cabinet, and um, Garfield eventually tells him directly, tells uh, Gateau directly, that... Blaine's the one who's going to decide, not him. So basically he says, stop bothering me. <laughs> Bother him. Yes. Leave me alone. Talk to Blaine about it. It's not my business to pick who that is. Yeah, just incredible because imagining <laughs> a time and age where you a president will say to a man on the street, don't bother me about hiring anymore. Mm-hmm. It's this guy. Yeah. Talk, talk to, to a, Blaine. Talk to a cabinet member. Which, to us, is clear that he, one, is trying to get rid of him, mm-hmm. and two, that he's saying, like, this guy's going to reject you, not me. Right. Whereas Gateau thinks that means that the president does like him and has put in, like, a good word for him with Blaine and is just making sure he's putting his efforts in the right place. It's so just, like, how... Delusional. Oh, my gosh. So, uh... Yeah, I've definitely got it this Even though time. he has no experience and, um... I don't know. Can he speak French? I have no idea. <laughs> Can he do anything? I doubt it. 